hello everybody and welcome to the first session of the Argus Africa Knowledge Series hosted by Argus and in this edition of the series we will focus on key developments in the fertilizer industry of West Africa uh, and this is presented in collaboration with the West Africa Fertilizer Association. My name is Mike Nash and I'm the senior fertilizers editor with Argus based in London and with me today I'm delighted to say we have Innocent Okuku who is the vice president of WAFA and also runs in Trio Synergy in Nigeria. Innocent, hi, how are you doing? Very well, Mike. Nice, nice to be here. And I'd like to say hello to everyone on the call or everyone listening to us at this point in time. Um, it's good to be talking to you today about the situation here in West Africa. Fantastic. Well, we very much appreciate your time and your expertise. Um, Innocent, we talk, we talk obviously, uh, you and I, a lot about what the effects of COVID-19 has been fertilizer consumption within the region over the last two or three months. There's been winners, there's been losers, there's been um, various um, discussions in terms of fertilizer stocks, consumption, uh, the effect on production. Um, but I'd just like to start with a general question. What, how have you seen the effect of COVID-19 actually on fertilizer consumption within the region over the last uh, two or three months? Um, so uh, the region, I would say, haven't suffered so much uh, on the fertilizer consumption side uh, because of COVID-19. Um, this is primarily because, as you uh, very much know, West Africa is a region where most of the crop production is um, single cropping season. And uh, the season is somehow, by nature, doesn't fall within the period when the biggest effect of COVID-19 have been felt since uh, the crisis started. Most of the farming in the West African region begins somewhere around April, May, uh, and goes on to about September, October. Uh, so basically, the times when at the time when COVID-19 became became a pandemic uh, from January, February of 2020, um, a lot of the cropping season was over across West Africa. It's normally a time when uh, people are not doing a lot of farming activities. So normally, it's not a time when a lot of consumption uh, on the fertilizer side happens. So that is somehow uh, has insulated the subregion from being significantly affected in terms of fertilizer consumption uh, by the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so on the consumption side, one, one would say if you compare uh, the last two to three months with the same period in previous years or a lot of years before, you won't see uh, a sharp uh, departure that, that, that causes a bit of concern. Because anyway, during this season, during this period, there's not usually a lot on the consumption, on the consumption side about fertilizer. Okay, no, thanks for that. I mean, I guess really as well from the uh, from the global market perspective, really a lot of the activity that uh, in terms of imports and tender, the activity really takes place in the late third quarter and fourth quarter of the previous year. And from what I've seen of your publication on on the COVID nineteen watch, um, it looks as if anything like the import level and the stock level within West Africa is actually better than normal. Would you, would you agree with that statement? Yeah, I would say um, it's good. I wouldn't say exactly better than normal because if one looks at uh, the last five years, there were years where it's about the same kind of levels that we are now. 
Uh, of course, if you look exactly at only 2019, uh, you might say it looks uh, slightly better. Um, again, uh, like you rightly said, the, the, the timing when fertilizer gets imported a lot into the sub-region in preparation for the cropping season of, uh, of the following year, usually it's the late third quarter into the fourth quarter. And, and the third quarter to fourth quarter volumes are generally those ones that are targeted at uh, tenders in many of our uh, lead export crop producing countries. Uh, like Côte d'Ivoire, like Mali, like Burkina Faso, the cutting uh, countries and all of that. And this period, the orders are uh, generally uh, giving and imports begin to be able to bring stock in to deliver in the market uh, at, in Q1 into early Q2 so that they can be available for farmers for the season. So yes, um, uh, it's um, what has happened is that that process normally began as usual until COVID-19 struck. And uh, what has happened also is that between ECOWAS and the country, the authorities of the various countries, there have been a lot of concerted effort to try and make sure that um, sufficient product is available before the season comes. So that in a way has kind of given uh, an extra push to the process of getting products to be in country as against what would have taken its natural cause in, in previous years. So I would say, yes, it's good. Um, maybe slightly better than last year, but, but there have been years that it's been this good as well. No, I think that's a very fair point. I think, I think two things to say to that. One, that I think it's worth stressing that that import period that you highlight late Q3, Q4, although we tend to sort of downplay Africa as, a, as an export outlet for the big producers, the big fertilizer producers, if you actually add up all those tenders for West Africa alone, you're at, you're at 850,000 tons to a million tons of, of MPK demand alone. So this, I mean, this is not insignificant business um, and it has profound potential effects on the suppliers, particularly people like OCP. Um, and obviously we've seen uh, Russian material uh, move in to um, take some of the tenders last year. So it, it's not as if this doesn't affect uh, the rest of the world. And I think also the second point you made, which is a very good one, is the efforts that you have put in with ECOWAS in terms of making sure that fertilizer is branded as an essential commodity. And I think it's fair to say that has helped, although there are issues with logistics and we'll talk about logistics in another podcast. Um, I presume that yeah. that has helped on the ground in terms of assigning that essential commodity status. Absolutely, Mike. I mean, um, when, when the COVID pandemic was announced across West Africa and countries uh, went into lockdown, um, a few items were allowed to, to move, considered essential commodities. Many, many of our countries were not particularly clear about the status of fertilizer. And in some countries, we began to even experience some restrictions. So between WAFA and our country-level associations, an example being APESI, in, uh, which is the country-level association in Côte d'Ivoire, uh, and then in conversation with partners, ECOWAS, a quick move was made to contact and establish with the government authorities that, you know, for the coming cropping season, uh, imputes, farm imputes are very essential. And if they don't, if they're not allowed to be moved and be positioned ahead of the season, we might very well be losing a lot of production and, and, and move from mm. what we consider a COVID-19 pandemic to maybe a hunger pandemic 
uh, at the end of 2020. So it was good that the government had a lot of listening ears and they had very positive consideration for those uh, engagements. And very quickly across, across West Africa, one can say that fertilizers were considered essential and were allowed to move. Like you did say, I mean, um, there are definitely uh, logistic challenges uh, in the movement themselves that we might be able to discuss in, in fine detail in another podcast. But uh, just that they were allowed to move, it then created um, the incentive for people, uh, our members who were doing business, who were moving products to different places across the country to push that move uh, and then be able to, to get things in, in, in state and ready uh, ahead of the season. Great. Thank you. Thank you for that, Innocent. Um, just turning from the consumption side to, we talked about consumption, we talked about uh, tenders. Um, obviously, West Africa has tremendous uh, blending production capacity of its own. And obviously, some of that depends on, on imported raw materials. And there are various issues, um, in particularly in places like Nigeria, where that where that is some still a little bit unclear. Um, but Again, another general question, the production issues that we have seen in places like Nigeria, obviously with the lockdown, we've seen this globally uh, in terms of um, the impact on production uh, in China, for example, on urea and phosphates. We've seen it um, in India, which has actually led to an uptick in, in fertilizer imports, particularly in phosphates in the first quarter. Um, What's the story in Nigeria in particular? That's that's the that's the big base load of installed capacity. Um, there was a lockdown. Uh, there was a lot of blending closures. What happened and, and where are we now, Innocent? OK, so um, first of all, uh, you are right. There was a slow start of blending for 2020 uh, farming season by the blenders in Nigeria where, like you rightly said, we have the highest capacity in West Africa for blending. Um, but I want to say quickly that this is not uh, entirely or hugely uh, as a result of the COVID-19 lockdown. What has happened in Nigeria from 2019, or even starting from 2018, is that there has been a progressive kind of centralization of the import of blending raw material through the government's uh, controlled uh, Nigeria um, NSIA, Nigeria Sovereign Investment Agency, sure. yeah. uh, which is the agency that is financing the presidential fertilizer initiative that's happening in Nigeria. Uh, and also because the country uh, is seeking to reduce uh, ex import uh, bill and therefore reduce the pressure for Forex, uh, the Central Bank of Nigeria had in a way, restricted access to forex for importing fertilizer. So uh, blenders could not go personally themselves to the central bank uh, to apply for the form name and process and receive approval to get forex to import uh, raw material directly. Everyone now needs to route their need through the uh, NSIA, which is importing raw material for the presidential fertilizer initiative. So what if, what what the what the NSIA has done actually is to, first of all, try and import materials for blending fertilizer on the presidential fertilizer initiative, which the blenders do as toll blenders for the agency. Uh, but on top of that, I've provided for some additional volumes that blenders can then buy through NSIA for their own independent blending. But in terms of timing, 
NSI have insisted that the blenders have to first of all do the products that were for the PFI before they are allowed access to some of the raw materials that they want to use for their own blending. So it's the NSI's process for import and distribution of this raw material that is really uh, the, the thing that has led to the delay or the, the setback that you, that you saw in the early part of the COVID period with blending. But it, right now, a lot of the blending plants are actually functioning. They are blending now. They've started receiving raw materials from the NSI uh, imports, and they have uh, begun uh, blending significant volumes uh, for uh, the market. Um, so, I mean, this is something that I think is a learning process for both the NSIA, the PFI, and then uh, the entire industry to arrive at a position where uh, with the PFI kind of intervention, there is still enough flexibility for blenders to put uh, their own unique blends of product in the market, especially the ones that farmers are looking for in large volumes without uh, having the delays. On top of that, um, you know, with the quarantine procedures, uh, that that has been put in place in responding to COVID-19, you find that uh, uh, when vessels arrive, they actually have to go through uh, something like a two-week quarantine period, both for the vessel and for the, uh, the team on the vessel, before they begin the process of discharge and shipping product to, to blending facilities. So this, in a way, have also extended the length of time it takes to eventually get the raw materials to blenders to start working with. I think all of these put together have culminated in the uh, delay that you've seen. Uh, but I mean, that is improving now. And uh, the lockdown, the federal government level lockdown in Nigeria has begun being eased off um, as of um, last Tuesday, for example, Tuesday of this week, Tuesday the 2nd of June, uh, the federal government actually did say that from this uh, week, um, religious gatherings are beginning to be allowed. Uh, government offices are opening up. Interstate boundaries are still uh, restricted. People are still not allowed to travel a lot across states. But again, because fertilizer handlers are handling essential commodities, they generally have the permit to make this movement. But in crossing state boundaries, a lot of security checks happen, So, which in itself extends the length of period that a truck needs to travel from the port cities of Lagos and Port Harcourt to many of the blending, blending sites uh, in the Middle Belt and up north in Nigeria. So, I mean, these are some of the uh, little, little hitches that are contributing to the delays that we've seen. But, but I'll say that there's a, there's a very robust kind of response to overcoming the obstacle. Yeah. Uh, that's a very full and thorough and a very fair um, analysis, um, Innocent. I appreciate that. I think maybe just for clarity for, for, for the audience, I think. <clears throat> the, the sort of the effective ban on on fertilizer imports, um, although it wasn't necessarily couched in that way, that that took place at the back of 2018. And I think the, there was a desire, wasn't there, to protect and enhance uh, the domestic, the indigenous blending sector within Nigeria. Uh, and as you say, it, it has it has had its teething problems. You have seen some sort of local spikes in prices as a as a, as a result of that. I think maybe just a clarification, um, because this has been the question that we've had since before Cape Town and the and the August conference in February, when we, when we could all still travel. Can the private sector effectively import for itself outside the PFI? Um, I, at the moment, I don't think that's the case. I think that there are efforts to try and get specific waivers, but the structure on ground now is for 
everyone that wants to blend to actually make indents to PFI, I mean, to, uh, to NSIA, the agency that imports for PFI, and therefore that volume is, is aggregated and that import is done centrally on their behalf by this agency because they are the only one that receives a Form M approval and an allocation of Forex from the central bank to import fertilizer and fertilizer-related raw materials. Okay, thank you. Just for the further clarification. Just lastly, um, Innocent, um, looking forward to in terms of uh, demand and consumption, I know this is a virtually impossible question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. People will be looking to how West Africa shapes up in the third and fourth quarter. Now, everything I've seen would suggest that with a very few exceptions, most countries are still implementing their subsidy. Most are still aware of the um, importance of fertilizer in the food chain. EFA has come out and basically said zero growth, but, but no negative impact of COVID on West Africa. Obviously, it's starting from a relatively low base. Um, but compared to globally, where they're looking at fertilizer consumption falling by almost three percent, um, just very briefly, what, what's, what's your expectations for how um, the third quarter will will progress? Um, I think I align with the, the views expressed on the IFA analysis about this. Um, we do uh, estimate that um, there is not likely to be a negative effect of the COVID pandemic on fertilizer imports and uh, availability across the countries in the third and the fourth quarter, particularly uh, in the tender uh, markets and all of that, because uh, like I said, the response to making sure that fertilizer is available uh, for this season had begun early, uh, both at, at national government levels and at regional uh, discussion levels. In short, at the very beginning of the lockdown, uh, ECOWAS did have a, a Ministers of Agriculture conference, uh, a meeting, uh, you know, an online meeting where they agreed a strategy to ensure that farm inputs were available. So the, the, gov, the, gov, the ministers of agri practically agreed that the number one priority for them in terms of making sure that agriculture in this sub-region is not affected negatively by COVID-19 was to ensure that farm inputs were available for farmers to use. So in terms of listing their priorities, this was number one. And on the back of that, the African Development Bank have also offered to say there are countries who are struggling to be able to finance um, some of the things they would do in the agricultural sector because of, because of the pandemic, they were willing to offer uh, some lifeline. I think they made, made a projection of about $10 billion available to, to help the intervention. So, and I see with this alignment of thoughts for both the banking sector and the uh, government officials and the regional uh, authorities and with active engagement with uh, private sector actors like WAFA members in all of the countries, I do not uh, expect that um, there will be a negative effect. Um, in short, one of the things we're actually uh, exploring is if things go well, we might actually move to a position where uh, you might be looking more at um, a situation where buffer stock arrangements can be established in the sub-region uh, with a bit of, if, we can, if the funding can be made available through the likes of African Development Bank so that um, we, we are better positioned to fill any gap that might be able to arise within each country uh, because of the after effect of COVID-19, especially because the lockdown 
is gradually being, being eased off now. One's prayer and hope is that uh, there is not a, a second spike of the pandemic uh, following the release of the lockdowns. Mm -hmm. yeah, if, that, if that is not the case and things can go on at the current pace, then uh, I do not envisage big challenges in terms of fertilizer availability in the third and the fourth quarter. Thank you, Innocent. Um, it, I think that well, that brings us to the end of uh, of the Q and A session. Um, I just want to thank you. I think I think you've given some fantastic insights there. Thank you again for joining us and for sharing your thoughts with us. In um, I'm going to uh, bring this to a close now. So I'm just going to say that uh, this was the first of a series of Africa Argus Africa Knowledge uh, podcasts, and we are. We're excited to be able to bring you some more key updates from various parts of Africa in the next few uh, weeks. Once, thanks again uh, for joining us and for tuning in and keep an eye out uh, on the Argus website for more upcoming sessions. Thank you again. Yeah. Thank you, Mike, for having me. I think it's been a good conversation. So as we go on, um, whatever updates we see, whatever changes we see, we'll be happy to keep in touch with Argus and the entire public. That's fantastic. Thank you very much and stay safe, Innocent. Thank you. Yeah, stay safe as well. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye.